0: Take a look at the calendar. Here we are in November, and Thanksgiving's not far away. This is In the Studio with Michael Card and Wayne Shepherd. And I'll mention right now, the next time we get together, Michael, we're going to have a hymn feast. We're going to put you to work. I'm looking forward to that, Wayne. would that that be fun? Yep. But, but that's next time.
1: In the meantime, we need to start working on getting our hearts ready for Thanksgiving.
0: Okay, we're we're going to do that together. Yeah, and we're going to do it with a great friend here today. Nathan Tasker is going to join us now. Introduce our listeners to Nathan, who's been with us previously.
1: Yeah, Nathan is a, he's been a friend for a very long time. Now he he talks kind of funny. I may have to translate because <laughs> he's from Australia, so you know. But uh, he he is a, a person who is a wonderful worship leader. He's a songwriter. Uh, he gives uh, leadership to a ministry here in uh, Nashville called Art House. Um, Mm -hmm. he's, he's got a beautiful family. He's just, he's a good brother.
0: Yep. We're going to talk about worship in and out of the church with Nathan here in the second half of our hour together. In this first half, we're going to continue talking about the life of Jesus. We're going to talk about the best way to love God. That's coming up with you, Michael, in just a few moments.
1: And Jesus' favorite verse. I'm excited to talk about that.
0: Yes. What's his favorite verse? Hey, thanks to those listeners who have left a review on Apple and other places of our podcast. Here's what one listener said. I I found this quite meaningful. I'm a 30-plus-year listener to Michael's music, a decades-plus reader of Michael's books, and a years-long listener to the podcast. Mm. Sometimes when the podcast first starts, I think, oh, maybe I'll listen to something else. This sounds familiar. But... I keep listening, and I always learn something new. It might be small or big, but it's impactful and sends me looking for my pen and notebook to write it down.
1: Uh, That's very, very wonderful to hear. Very honest and very wonderful. Sometimes, you know, I have expectations and I want to do something else, but I listen anyway. So thanks for that honesty and that encouragement. And here's what happens when you leave a review like that. Other people
0: are looking and reading those reviews, and it attracts them to listen to the program. So we grow in listenership Mm -hmm. because of your contribution of a review. So thanks for doing that. And you can always reach us via email as well in the studio at michaelcard.com. Well, before we talk about Jesus' favorite verse, let's uh, hear some music from Michael. Uh, Your friend Shanoa joins you playing that beautiful violin of hers Mm. and this wonderful hymn, Be Thou My Vision. Michael Card.
2: Thou in me dwelling, and
3: I with Thee one.
2: Riches I heed not, nor man's empty gain. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Be my vision, O ruler of all.
3: Beautiful.
0: Shanoa, thank you for that violin, adding so much to that song along with Michael Card. Just beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Michael, for some time now, we've been talking about uh, Jesus, and uh, you're preparing a book on the life of Jesus, so we're kind of picking your brain as you go through the research here. But uh, let's talk for a few moments about Jesus as our model for loving God.
1: Well, I I think the question, again, and I'm dealing with with details. What do the details of his life mean? And one of the questions I ask is, um, what's his favorite verse? And um, I came up with three different passages where, uh, let's see, in Mark 12, a scribe who is basically pretty friendly asked Jesus what the most important commandment is. Uh, and then in Matthew 22, in a different episode, a not-so-friendly Pharisee asked Jesus the same thing, and he responds with half of the Shema and then in Luke 10, Jesus asks a scribe, the scribe answers with the Shema, and Jesus says, correct. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, in one sense, I don't want to oversimplify things, because in one sense, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, in Judaism, it's kind of everybody's favorite verse. Yeah, let's review that. Shema means what? Shema is, uh, well, um, It's it, in one sense, it's untranslatable. Um, I have an article here that, uh, by Jonathan Sachs, the late Jonathan Sachs, and he says uh, the Shema can be translated oh about seven or eight different ways uh, about listening and understanding and um, hearing and um, and so it, it's a difficult term to understand. It's basically translated here, which is, unfortunately is mm-hmm. one of the one of the. I won't say worst ways to translate it, but it's one of the least accurate way because it really means to listen. Uh, you know, so it's Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Chad Veha Ed Adonai LeChekav Vakola Favka Kolaveshka veshka Kol Meodeka. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Is the great statement of monotheism, um, and so listen, Israel. Lord is the Lord is one, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with everything you are, and that even that word is sort of, is very difficult to translate, it's uh, with your muchness. You love God with your muchness. Um, and Bill Lane is, you know, our, our, our friend who's gone home to be with the Lord, Bill Lane would have said that the Shema teaches basically the best way to love God is to listen to Him and to listen to Him with everything you are. And um, that that has really meant a lot to me o- over the years.
0: Mm-hmm. And, of course, the primary way we listen to God is through His Word. That's what He's given
1: Absolutely. to us. Absolutely. And, um, and I, I was interested in—I uh, I just did a word search on listen listening. And when Jesus talks about Himself as the Good Shepherd and us being the sheep uh, in John 10— uh, the the really the only thing that we as sheep have going for us is that we listen. Uh, three or four different places in John ten, he he refers to the sheep as the ones who listen to his voice, and uh, so as, uh, that's about all I've got going for me is is that I listen. Um, and and the other interesting thing, and this I hope this isn't going off in a in a in a, in, a, in a sidebar too much. But this all ties in with Judaism. Uh, Judaism is is a, a a a a religion, and Christianity that was has been grafted into Judaism. We really we base uh, our faith on hearing. You know, faith comes through hearing. Paul says that, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, and you right. look back on ancient Judaism, well, even Judaism today, you don't make any images of God because our our faith isn't about seeing. It's about hearing. It's about listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I have this marvelous uh, article by uh, Jonathan Sachs, the late rabbi of, uh, uh, I think, this London, the city of London. Uh, and he he, um, he talks about that, that Judaism is a religion of listening. Uh, you and I, when we understand something, we say, oh, I see. That's our way of saying I understand. Yeah. But Judaism is, uh, he says, it's a radical alternative where we listen to God and and we love Him by listening to Him with everything we are. It's a it's a really interesting uh, I think difference between uh, those two worlds.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Sachs, I believe, the chief Rabbi of London yes. when he was alive, right?
1: Right. He died in uh, t- uh, twenty twenty. So, uh, um, but uh, yeah, li- listening is something that I think we as Christians learn from Judaism. And that's how we love God. We listen to him. We listen to his word. Uh, that's what qualifies us as, as the sheep. We're the sheep who listen to the shepherd. And um, it's, it's just fundamental to being a faithful follower of Jesus.
0: Well, let me take you to Psalm 119, uh, because we talked about listening to God's word, listening to God through his word. Psalm one nineteen ninety seven and through 104, your word instructs us. Why don't you read this passage for us in your CSB Bible there, Psalm 119, starting at verse 97.
1: Okay, um, and this is the mem section, by the way. Mem is the first letter of, the, of my name, so hey, how cool is that? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> verse 97, uh, how I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. And part of listening in, in that the word Shema, obedience is part of the nuance of that word. So because I listen, I understand and I obey. Uh, verse 101, I have kept my feet from every evil path to follow your word I've not turned from your judgment, for you yourself have instructed me. How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every false way. And then in the next section, it goes on to say that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path.
0: Well, I love hearing that, Michael, and I love hearing you read that from Psalm 119. But you started talking about uh, us as the sheep who listen, Few moments ago, you want to take us back to John ten. I know you've, you you spend a lot of time here, don't you?
1: Yeah, and 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 I, I'm I'm am beginning to understand the difference between uh, thinking in Greek and thinking in Hebrew. And in, in Greek, we would mm. ask um, different sort of questions, how to questions, and give me point one, two, and three. And uh, and Jesus doesn't answer questions that way. Uh, rabbis answer questions with stories. And I, I think one of the best ways to, uh, to understand what Jesus would answer to this question is, is uh, this story that he tells in, in John 10. He um, says, uh, this is John 10:1. I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door, but climbs in some other ways, a thief and a robber, the one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, he's going to talk about himself as a shepherd. The doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. There it is. That's what qualifies the sheep. They hear his voice. He calls his sheep. Mm -hmm. There again. Uh, 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 He he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought all all his own out, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. There it is again. It's getting sort of redundant, isn't it? He's like, Jesus, I see the (laughs) point. Okay, I get your point. (laughs) <laughs> they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize his voice. Um, Jesus gave them this illustration. They did not understand what he was telling them. Of course, they never did. So Jesus said again in verse 7, I assure you, I'm the door of the sheep. That's another way of saying I'm the shepherd. He's just saying the same thing in a different way. The shepherd is the door. He lays down in the in the. In the, in the gap in the sheepfold. So he's still saying he's the shepherd. I assure you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. There it is again. I'm the door. Anyone who enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I'm the good shepherd. That's right out of the Psalms, Right. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Uh, The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees them coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my own sheep know me. As the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are not of this fold. He's talking about us their Wayne. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So that, it's just interesting to me how mm-hmm. much this idea of listening, yeah. that's thats Shema, how much the idea of listening comes back. Yep. And that is the best way to love God is to listen to Jesus. Absolutely. If we're going to be a sheep and we're going to follow him, we have to listen to his voice. So the best way to love him is to listen to him.
0: Excellent. Wonderful. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. I'm going to ask you to uh, share this studio recording with us that you made of your song, The Word. Once again, uh, Shinoa Murphy joins you in playing her violin on this song. So let's listen to this next here in the studio with Michael Card.
3: the
2: word is live. This word is true, the cross speaks this advice.
0: Thank you, Michael. Shinoa can make that instrument sing, can't she?
1: Yeah, you can really hear her soul when she plays the violin. Thank you to both of you.
0: Hey, I want to mention our featured resource, the Psalms in 30 Days. Last time we were together, Trevin Wax joined us to talk about this. He's taken the Psalms and providing readings for morning, midday, and evening. And it's a wonderful way to work your way through the Psalms in a month. So check that out, the Psalms in 30 Days. More information at michaelcard.com. I gave the email address earlier in the studio at michaelcard.com. A couple of listeners have sent in questions. Uh, can I pose these
1: to you? You certainly can. <laughs> right. I've got my uh, all my language tools
0: right <laughs> Ed, here. Ed says, a friend told me this recently about the account of Matthew, of Jesus walking on the water. Then in the original Aramaic, in Matthew fourteen twenty seven, Jesus actually says, I am not. It is I, as in most English translations. Certainly not the only time he uses the words "I am" in reference to himself, but I'd never heard this before.
1: Yeah, well, I've, I've got the text in front of me right here in Greek, and uh, in the first place, it's Greek; it's not Aramaic. Um, okay. And what he says, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say what he literally says because words don't have literal meaning the way we want them to. But the Greek says "ego," in me, I am. Now. It could still be translated, I am he, or it can be translated, I am. The context determines how you translate it. I see. And obviously, different translators have different opinions. So I think Ed's real question is, is Jesus manifesting the divine name, I am, or is he just saying, I'm he? Right. And you know, I, I think it's a little odd the way it appears in the verse, I am, uh uh don't be afraid or i literally let me translate it i am no fear that's mm-hmm. what he says um so uh, you know i think a case could be made for the fact that he's manifested the the divine name yeah. uh but i would never dogmatically say that because the context works either way
0: all right thank you ed uh, paul asked this question in mark 141 the csb version says moved with compassion with a very helpful plus symbol at the end of the verse, showing there's another translation to consider. When clicked, it says other manuscripts moved with indignation. Compassion and indignation are mm-hmm. very different words with different meanings. Why the confusion over this word, and why do some Bibles choose one word over the
1: other? Yeah, and and again, um, the the word can mean either either thing. I'm uh, again I'm looking at the Greek, and it's the word splagnizomai, which is. It comes from uh, an ancient Greek word that refers to a horse snorting. <laughs> really? So, yeah. So I like to translate it shuddered. Ah, Jesus uh-huh. shuddered. And and you don't know why he shuddered. Was he moved with compassion? Was he mad? Was he... Uh, the 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 transliteration in the Greek text is having had affection. Mm-hmm. So the, the question is still, so what was the affection? Was he indignant or was was he feeling compassionate? And you've got to look at the context and see what, what do you think? Because the word can mean either thing. Uh, it, it, it's, it's too easy. We've fallen into this thing, oh, this is what that word literally means. Words get their meaning from the context. So if I say to you, Wayne, what does the word key mean? K-E-Y. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know until I tell you the right, context. Yeah are you standing in front of a door is it the key idea or you know whatever and that's how this word word uh, works jesus was had a strong affection now whether it was compassion or indignation we've got it we've got to look at the context and uh, and uh, and see that so that's how yeah. words work and this is
0: why a a thorough deep study of the word is is really important in original languages as well
1: yeah I think so. And, and, and also uh, an understanding of how the process works. Uh, When I was working with the, with the the guys in the CSB, you know, you, you, you find a translation that says something different than you want it to say. Right. And then you start thinking, well, this is just, he's just wrong or these guys don't care. Um, I, I was not at this particular meeting, but there was a meeting amongst 17 translators and they started talking about the seriousness of what they were doing, and a lot of them started oh, weeping. Wow. So uh, for the most part, people who give themselves to translating the Bible are are usually people of faith and people who are trying to wash the feet of the church with their work. I mean, Bill Lane was a translator for the NIV. George Guthrie was is also a translator, a lot of the people that we have on this program. And the truth is, most of the time... Uh, words don't have one strict literal meaning. You have to understand what the whole flow of the passage is saying, and it's it's a hard job. We're going to pause right there as we come to the halfway point of this session. It's so encouraging to
0: see the notes that come in from those who listen to these sessions in the States and around the globe. No matter where you hear us, help us get the word out about this gathering of like minds by sharing the link for this podcast. We hope you'll share your thoughts on the Michael Card Music Facebook page, or reach us directly when you send your comments, song requests, or questions via email when you write to in the studio at Michaelcard.com. Again, in the studio at Michaelcard.com. These conversations are just a start, and we want to invite you to go deeper. Check out more of Michael's insights through his books, his music, and Bible conferences. Explore all that is waiting for you at Michaelcard.com. And I want to let you know that we're planning something special for Thanksgiving week. We're calling it a hymn feast. Be watching for the release of this hour of scripture, and Michael's performing many of his arrangements of hymns that help us remember the kindness of God. Find it soon on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Well, there's more music and conversation coming your way as we pause for this message here in the studio with Michael Card. The Psalms in 30 Days is this month's featured resource. We're always glad to
1: point out new ways to get into God's word. And this book from my friend, Trevin Wax, will do just that for you. Trevin has combined the clarity and scholarship of the new CSB translation with a wonderful adaptation of a centuries old approach to reading the Psalms in a month. Search for the Psalms in 30 Days at csbible.com and read
0: more about this helpful study tool that can refresh your spiritual life. Order now to have this in time to use as a gift or to be on hand to prepare for the new year. Be sure to type in in the studio without spaces in the promotion code to receive your 30% discount
1: from LifeWay. The Psalms in 30 Days is a wonderful way to let God's Word renew your thinking and restore your soul in these changing and challenging times.
0: Search for Psalms in 30 Days now at csbible.com. Once again, a reminder that our next podcast will feature a Thanksgiving theme, a Thanksgiving hymn feast. We're calling it. That sounds like Michael Carr's going to sing a lot of songs for us next time.
1: I, you know, I don't know. Can we get some other people in here to sing some songs?
0: <laughs> hey, the program's got your name on it, so I know. <laughs> we're,
1: we're, and I've got lots of friends who are singers. <laughs> I know. I'd kind of, I'd kind of well, like the same to hear one of them. So I would kind of like to hear Wayne Shepherd sing. I just I just said this
0: ain't one of them. So. Okay, <laughs> uh, we're going to hear from one who is though, and that's Nathan Tasker's coming up here in just a moment, all the way from Australia, but he lives in Nashville. But uh, he's a good brother, isn't he? He uh,
1: he is a wonderful songwriter and singer. I've known him for I mean over twenty years. Uh, great dad, great you know, great uh, husband. Uh, he's he 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 lets us use his studio. I mean, he's very. Uh, very generous with letting us use his studio, so mm-hmm. yeah, nothing
0: but good things to say about Nate Tasker. All right, he's coming up in just a moment after a song of worship. We're going to talk about worship with Nate. Here's a song of worship from Michael, Holy God, We Praise Thy
2: Name. Holy God, we praise thy name, Lord of all, we bow before thee, all on Thy scepter, own all in heaven above, adore thee, infinite thy vast domain, everlasting is thy reign. There surrounded. Keep us free from sin today, and never let us be confounded. All my trust I place in Thee. Never, Lord, abandon. and seraphim one unceasing chorus raising ever sing with sweet accord
0: Noah Murphy, along with Michael Card, a song of worship. Holy God, we praise thy name. We're going to talk about worship with our guest, but before we turn to our guest, a listener had a comment that fits in as a lead into our conversation, Michael.
1: Yeah, this comes to us from uh, Rick. He says, I listened to an archive podcast this morning while working in the garage. You made the comment that worship is more than 15 minutes on Sunday morning. After I finished my garage duties, I went mountain biking on a beautiful, crisp fall afternoon. While on the trails, I paused, enjoyed the sunset, fall colors on the trees, and worshipped the Lord of all beauty. Thank you for pointing me towards the one that is worthy of my adoration and worship. By the way, I will have my 70th birthday in a month, and am blessed to have the health, strength, and good balance to still be mountain biking. May the Lord... (laughs) May the Lord continue to bless you as you minister through your podcasts, concerts, and teaching. Seventy—that's not that old. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. But yeah, I well, let's let's use that as a springboard. Well, I I just love the idea that we're you know worship is a lifestyle, and when when I think of that idea, I think of my friend Nathan Tasker, who's a worship leader and a songwriter, and uh, and a, a guy who worships 24-7. So let's welcome Nathan uh, on the program. How you doing, good brother? I'm doing great, Mike and
4: Wayne. It's great to hear your voices.
0: Yeah. Well, I know you listen to this podcast. I've heard a rumor that you listen anyway. Is that true? It is
4: true. I listen every week and, uh, and love it, to be honest. It's just such a joy to uh, get to hear such deeply encouraging music but also uh to hear uh Mike's teaching and the guests that you have on it's yeah always such a, a blessing uh to me each week so thank you both for All
0: doing right it. now now I'm going to be nervous Mike knowing that Nathan's listening so. <laughs> No
1: no no so I, now I want to say okay Nate it's your turn now we want to hear <laughs> your teaching <laughs> Oh well <laughs> Let's talk about
0: worship and some of the things you've learned as as a worshiper and a worship leader, Nate.
4: Yeah, I mean, what a what an expansive topic, you know. And even hearing that gentleman, the the man who just turned seventy, talking about uh, wonder and worship, you know, as he he looks around at the creation and uh, and praising and worshiping our Creator God, uh, to what we do on a Sunday morning, um, you know, I I've spent a lot of time trying to wrestle with the idea of a life of worship, you know, Romans twelve passage talking about your whole life being an offering of worship uh, to the Lord, but then also the fact that we are called to uh, worship in corporate singing, uh, something that mm-hmm. kind of captures my heart and and also is, happens to be uh, a lot of my work and ministry during the week too. So uh, getting those two to connect ha- has been something that's intrigued me a lot over uh, these past few years.
1: So do you see the corporate worship as an overflow of the week or is it more complicated than that?
4: Yeah, I, I to be honest with you, I think it's a bit more complicated in so much as uh, I think it's an overflow of the week and it's a preparation for the week as well. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there seems to be so much that occurs when we uh, get to experience liturgy together on a Sunday, and by liturgy I just mean those common things that we would gather around, the teaching of God's Word, uh, praying together together, singing songs together with the same breath uh, that spills over into how we approach our life of worship, uh, both individually when we wake up in the morning uh, to our interactions with people during the week, our work that we put our hands to each week as well. Uh, they, it, it seems that they all kind of weave together. There's this, you know, synchronicity that occurs I think from uh, uh, what we do together on a Sunday to what we do uh, Monday through Saturday as well.
0: Yeah. Well, what do you do to draw people in to that attitude of worship rather than just watching someone else perform? Oh yeah.
4: Oh wow. Um, certainly one of the, the main things that I, I feel drives a lot of the liturgy that, that I'm a part of is scripture is the word of God. Uh, I love John Stott. Uh, Mike knows how much of a, a a big uh, admirer I am of John Stott, but he he says that worship of God is always a response to the word of God. And so I I think that our our certainly our church services on a Sunday the way that we often uh arrange them are just full of uh God's word. If we're going to hear uh, someone speak, we certainly want to have our ears attuned or our, our ear lids open as I borrow from Mike regularly on a Sunday uh to to hear the word of God speaking so that we might uh respond appropriately in our our prayers and our singing as well. So that's always, I think, the best starting place is, is, is the Word of God. Though.
1: Well, my, my mentor, uh, William Lane, used to say that, uh, the, I guess, the etymology of the word worship, it goes mm. back to worth-ship, that yeah. worshiping God is celebrating His worth. How would you respond mm. to that?
4: Oh, I mean, it, it, I, I would never disagree with Bill Lane. That's probably the best way to... Response <laughs> first of all, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm go ahead give smart it a give, give it a try. I'd like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, uh, I I hold uh I hold uh, William Lane in, in such incredibly high regard and uh and I know uh through you, Mike, he has shaped so much of my thinking about this, but I would I mean it's impossible not to agree, I think, with that, that we are truly responding to to uh, who our God is and all that He has done for us. And, and when you look through Scripture, I'm always struck by the fact that in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, you see people often singing as a response to either something God has said or has done. Um, it seems to mm-hmm. be that there's like this overflow in that moment of being so, I guess convicted or or I guess just seeing who He is in what He does, uh, that you can't help but respond with song. It seems like it's the most appropriate response. And and I love how it carries it through into Revelation at the new heavens and the new earth when God continues to reveal and it says that they they start singing a new song based on what he has revealed about uh, about who he is and, and, and what he has done uh, for his people. Um, yeah, so I, I would 100%. Um, I'm, I'm a smart man. I'm 100% agree with uh, with William Lane on, on that one.
0: <laughs> Well yeah. said. Yeah. Good good move, Nathan. Good <laughs> <think> move. So. <laughs> uh thinking about corporate mm. worship, uh, not only in your native land of Australia, but as you've been around different places in the world and compared to what we experience in in North America, uh what what differences do you see and what's good and what's bad?
4: Oh, wow. That's that's such a big question, Wayne. And I, and I definitely uh want to acknowledge that um I feel like everywhere that I've had a chance to travel, I'm sure Mike you'd resonate with this. Uh, there are certainly so many things that you pick up and go, wow, that I've never thought about worship in that particular way, or, you know, worshiping with a group of prisoners in South Africa certainly feels very different than worshiping with a congregation in, in Alabama, you know? Um, but yet there are uh, similarities as well. Uh, this idea of us choosing to raise our voices as one in that moment, uh, to see what we're singing and the liturgy that we might have as a congregation as something that is forming us and shaping us uh, to be more like Christ and, uh, and to be able to see that commonality. I know that one of the phrases we often used to use uh, in Empty Hands Fellowship was the scarlet thread of the gospel that unites our hearts. And I, I think about that thread weaving around the world, uniting each of us uh, in our in our worship mm. uh, of of the Lord so yeah I guess there are things to to learn in in each scenario
1: yeah well what about the other side of worship uh, uh worship as lament mm. i mean i I can i like i like that definition of you know worship is celebrating the worth of God but that really yeah. doesn't say say at all what about yeah. lament uh, worshiping God when when through pain, through confusion, through anger, and that's that sort of thing.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think that that's one of the areas where, and I know you've written on this, Mike, as well, one of the areas where I feel like the church, we, we aren't terribly good at lament, um, just in general, I think. Uh, one of the reasons why each Sunday we uh, have a confession of sin, I think, is just to try and shape our hearts uh, to understand how to confess and lament our own sin um, uh, mm-hmm. in, in, as we speak together. But also we we have a bit of a, a, a lack oftentimes of um, lament worship songs, which is quite ironic when in the Psalms you see, what is it? A, a third of the Psalms are lament Psalms. And uh, mm-hmm. Mike, one of the things you've written that really resonates with me very deeply, and I know um, uh, we know a lot about um, – my story and my wife, my story is uh, lament as uh, a path to worship uh, in, in the Psalms. And I think that is really mm-hmm. true that um, one of the things that we try and incorporate, at least on a Sunday at the church that I attend, is how do we actually have laments so that even if you're in the congregation and you might not be lamenting right now, the person next to you may be, and you raising your voice in lament in solidarity with them expressing words they might yeah. not even be able to uh, express themselves in that moment is what it means to be in community. It's what it means to, I guess, resonate together and, and come alongside one another as the body of Christ. And so I, I would love to see more uh, lament songs within our, our worship, but the reality is lament songs don't sell very well. Um, so
1: <laughs> Yeah. It makes, hmm. it, it, makes I it. I think I understand <laughs> that. <laughs> well, and let's uh, talk huh, I'm yeah, <laughs> that that's a new idea for me. the congregation lamenting in as an aid to those there who aren't able to give voice to their lament yet, I don't think yeah. I've ever thought of that
4: yeah i I realized that one um just to be on it for a second when when my wife and i we you know we lost some children um ten years ago, and I remember sitting in church hearing my brothers and sisters sing. And I could not bring myself to sing. Like no matter how hard I try, I could not sing. But I needed to be standing next to my brothers and sisters who were singing for me, kind of holding, wow. I guess, me up in that moment. And it, it really made me realize the importance. And I think that's what's happening in the Psalms, by the way, because if that is the, the hymnal of, you know, of Israel in, in one sense, uh, surely as those, those uh, Psalms are being sung, some people just aren't connecting with the lament. They're like, you know what, my crops are great and I'm doing really well and nothing's gone wrong in my life at this moment, you know. But for others, those laments are resonating at a very, very deep level. It's important that we don't just sing what we feel like uh, in that moment. And, um, I, yeah, I think that's a really important thing for worship in general is that, you know, worship is not just an opportunity to express our feelings it's oftentimes a way of informing our feelings as well. So,
0: mm. yeah, Nate, I, I suspect mm. that as a songwriter, you don't sit down and say, "Okay, now I'm going to write a worship song." It comes out of who you are. It comes out of your experience of worship, doesn't it? Is that the way it works for um, you?
4: That's that's certainly what I would like it to be. Yes, um, I feel <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's probably the the truest <laughs> sense rather than sitting in a room and thinking, "How can I write a worship song?" Although I will say, you know, when Uh, when I think about a worship service, so to speak, when we gather, I am thinking that we are moving. Um, So each song and each thing that we do together as the people of God, it's preparing us for what's coming and allowing us to respond to what's happened. And so from that perspective, there have been times when I sit down and think, you know, it's really important that we have a song that prepares our hearts to confess together, which is what we're about to do. And to actually Mm -hmm. intentionally write, out of that desire to give voice uh, for our church family for that moment within a within a service as well. So I, I think it is a mixture of the two, I guess, Wayne, from that perspective. Yeah.
1: I think it's at that point that your your songwriting really becomes water that washes people's feet.
4: Mm. I love that quote. I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. that is definitely the the prayer, isn't it? I'm I'm so aware on a on a Sunday that uh like, and, and when I get to talk to other to worship leaders or or, or people who are music directors to realize that uh there, there really needs to be no ego involved in what you do on a Sunday morning um, you really in that moment and this is what I pray is happening you are you are a shepherd you know you are pastoring it's very much a pastoral ministry as much as it's a ministry of the word and I think that, that idea of washing people's feet, and I know I've heard you say that before, Mike, that the great art washes people's feet. And I I cling on to that so much, uh, you know, week to week, that this is all about serving one another. Um, yeah. Uh,
0: Nathan, as you'll remember, we came to you for, with this podcast a couple of years ago. Mm. And at that time, you sat down in the studio there at the art house and recorded a song for us. And Mike, I'd love for our listeners to hear that song again here in the context of
1: this conversation. Mm-hmm. This is You Are Good with uh, Nathan playing guitar and singing as well. As we listen
0: to the song, um, what would you say about how it should lead us in worship of the Lord, Nathan? Uh,
4: I, I can tell you that when I wrote this song, i I was writing as much about what I believe, that our God is good even in the midst of our sorrow, but I was also writing what I wanted my heart to believe. And I think... That ties in well to what happens when we sing together that as much as we are singing what we believe we are also singing what our hearts need to believe and uh, and I think want to believe in that moment too so uh, that's where this song came out of and in that sense I guess it's very much a, a worship song
0: Nathan Tasker, You Are Good
4: Never felt a
5: pain like this More than I think I can face never had to fight so hard to make it through another day. All I thought I knew is now uncertainty. I don't know what to do, but believe that you are good even here when I can fight these tears and my heart is asking why still I trust you on my side and you are good because this hurt will not have the final word Oh, the valley might be low but it is well with my soul cause you are good darkest night is the place where your light breaks in The moment that I reach my end is the place where your strength begins You hold me in your arms, you meet my every need And this tired and broken heart It still believes that you are good even here When I can't fight these tears And my heart is asking why Still I trust you're on my side And you are good Because this hurt Will not have the final word Or the valley might be low But it is well with my soul Cause you are good You are Your mercy never fails Your mercy never fails No matter what I face You've taught my heart to say Your mercy never fails Your mercy never fails No matter what I face You've taught my heart to say You are good Even here when I can't fight these tears And you are good because this hurt Will not have the final word Oh, the valley might be low But it is well with my soul Cause you are good You are good And your mercies never fail Your mercies never fail You are good You are good You are good
1: It's wonderful to hear someone uh, sing words that they believe and that they've uh, they've lived out, and to hear Nate Tasker sing uh, a song like that. You're good. Uh, for me, it all comes together. I mean, the artistry and the faith and the person, and uh, yeah, it's it's a real privilege having him.
0: Particularly meaningful to hear that song from Nathan, given the story he told about losing, you know, children in their lives.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they, they had a devastating loss, and to to be able to come back and affirm that God is good, um, and and you you hear it; it rings true in the song. That's not just a feel good, let's be all be happy and feel good song. Uh, it's it's a song that uh, cost him a lot to write and a lot to sing, and it all to me it all comes across. And that's why I love hearing him sing.
0: We're so glad you've been with us for this hour. If this time together has been valuable, please take a moment and post your review. Pass along the link for this podcast to a friend or have them search for Michael Card on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. If you need more details about our guest and the resources we've talked about today, find us at MichaelCard.com. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. This month, we're highlighting a wonderful companion resource that can help you rekindle a deeper relationship with God. When you visit csbible.com, search for The Psalms in 30 Days by our good friend Trevin Wax. This book combines the CSB translation with a plan to read and appreciate the Psalms. When you order your copy, use the promotion code in the studio, typed with no spaces, to receive your 30% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. Search for The Psalms in 30 Days, available now at csbible.com. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Carr.